Welcome to another podcast by Dr. Dennis Smith, Senior Pastor of Covenant Life Ministries. To find out more, go to lifeandfocustv.com. We're going through our seven life precepts. Uh, you, depending on how you divide them, there could be more of them, but we're looking at seven major life concepts because God's called us to live in a different world. I mean, we live in this world we understand. We're on earth, we live in a particular community, but he's called us to live in a different world. And by that we mean that when we come to Christ, we become members of a different world. It's called the kingdom of God. In fact, let's go to our theme verse for that in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, reading from New Living Translation. And uh, uh, why don't we all just read that together? If you have it there and you can see that, read Colossians 1.13 out loud with me. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. And that's what took place when Jesus Christ became your savior. When you opened up your heart, surrendered your life to him, you were rescued from the kingdom of darkness, the enemy, Satan, the world, the, the darkness and, and the things attached to a lost world, and you were connected to or you became citizens of a brand new kingdom. Now, every nation or kingdom operates according to certain laws and principles. It's the same way with the kingdom of God. He's established certain principles or precepts that operate in the kingdom of God. In other words, this is how we do things. This is what works when you're living as a citizen of the kingdom of God. Now, when we get closer to the end of these seven, we're on number four today, I'm going to show you how all of them are interrelated. You can't really separate one from the other. They're all connected, but each one of them is very, very important. Now, the world system is very different from the kingdom system. In many ways, the kingdom of God is seen backwards or upside down from the way the world does, does things. It doesn't make sense in the world for you to hear someone say, what you need to do, you need something, you have a need in your life, give. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't compute in the world system. But that is a principle of the kingdom of God. Now, in our world today, we see so much greed. It's, it's about accumulating all you can, making all that you can, and hanging on to it. Deliberate acts of giving and generosity are countercultural. It's not natural to be generous. If you don't believe that, hang around little ones for a little while. It doesn't take, you know, a two, three-year-old everything to learn the word mine. Mine. We have to teach sharing, encourage sharing. Why? Because it's not intuitive just to be generous. The world system's shaped in such a way to say, I, I want to keep it for myself. Many people defend that by saying, well, I earned it. It's mine. I don't have to share it in any way. <clears throat> but today, we're talking about that paradox of, of generosity that is seen in the life of every born-again believer or should be seen in all of our lives. Now, we're going to look at several scriptures on this. And, and by the way, when we're talking about generosity, we're not talking about just money. Generosity goes far beyond just money, but it includes money. Well over 2,000 times in the Bible, the Bible addresses money or material things. So we can't or shouldn't avoid it. 
People get nervous when you talk about money. People oftentimes in churches, uh, particularly if they're not acquainted with that ministry, uh, as the way they, and they hear someone talk about giving and money, then it just, it seems to confirm in their minds that yes, that's what I thought. It's exactly like I thought. The church is all about asking people for money. Now, of course, if you've been here for some years, you know we don't do that here. We give people opportunities to give and say, look, this is out there. If you want to give, you pray about it and give. You be obedient in the Lord's giving. And you have been, and God's always blessed and provided. But uh, because of some things have happened in churches and religious organizations over the years, it's left a bad taste in some people's life to where they think that the church is all about getting. When the Scripture teaches the church is all about giving. And so that's where our focus here at Covenant Life is on giving, not on asking. Not on, you never heard us plead for any money or anything. You never, I, don't, I don't focus on that. But just because I focus on that doesn't mean that I, that I think it's unimportant. Because the Scripture talks about it a lot. So if it's important, we should address the subject of giving. Your money matters. What God has blessed you with matters. It belongs to Him. He came from Him. And he instructs us on how to use it. Now, he doesn't teach this to us to restrict us or to take away from us. And that's what doesn't get across to some people. And when you learn and understand the kingdom principle of giving, then you come to see that when we obey God's uh, word, his instruction on giving, when we begin to operate according to kingdom principles of giving, he wants us to do all of this because it brings back a return into our life. It blesses you in many different ways, and it blesses others, and it advances the kingdom of God. So when we hear the, the word about the opportunities of giving, what God says about giving, the church ought to say amen and praise the Lord instead of looking down. You understand? Because this is a good word, because this opens for many people when they learn the principle of giving, it opens the door of heaven to them. In fact, that's really what the Scripture teaches, and that's what we go by is the Word of God, right? We'll go back to the Old Testament. Let me point out just two or three very quickly uh, this morning. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, familiar to many of you, where the Word says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Now, tithe means one-tenth. I won't get into that today. Uh, there's always been some controversy over whether... Christians are still supposed to tithe or give one-tenth of everything that they have or should they give from a, a, a gross income or net income. or You know, the fact is, is when we get our hearts right, we don't worry about how much we have to give. We look forward to everything that we can give. We want to know how much we can give, not how little. And that's the principle of the New Testament. The Old Testament, yes, based on tithe. For the Jewish people, they had three tithes. That's 30%. That's almost as bad as the government. And, uh, and they had three separate tithes. In the church, generally it's practiced that one-tenth. Whatever your income is, one-tenth of that belongs to the Lord already. It's not yours. That's the principle of the tithe. I believe it's true because Jesus confirmed in Matthew 23, 23 that you are supposed to tithe. So I believe it's true. But you have to take this to a higher level if you're going to live in a different world, in the kingdom world. You've got to take it beyond just a set amount. Some people write down to the cent of being one-tenth. It takes them a long time to figure it out. And, and you got to take it beyond that because the Word teaches whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly and whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. 
The Bible talks about give according to how he has blessed you in your life, in proportion. My, 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 would that ever be less than a tenth? I don't think so. It all belongs to him. So the tithing is not the issue we're focusing on today. So we don't want to get all involved in that. But it's a principle of scripture here that says, bring all your tithes to the storehouse. And it provided for the Levites and for the carrying out of the ministry and for those that were poor. It says, if you do this, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open. This is what God says. If you'll do this, if you'll give as I've instructed you to give, I will give, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try me, put me to the test. That's a strong word. Strong word. Well, we're not under the law. That's right. And you know that tithing took place before the law, before the Ten Commandments were given. It's in the scripture long before it was instituted in the Ten Commandments, so we're not totally talking about the law here. But let's go to an important reference scripture as we move over in the New Testament. All right, we're on a new covenant. Luke chapter 6, verse 37 and 38. Luke chapter 6, verse 37 and 38. Look what Jesus says. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others, or it'll come back against you. Forgive others, and you'll be forgiven. In other words, it's a sowing and reaping principle. You know, so don't judge others because you can expect to be judged back. Now, the the scripture in Luke chapter 6 verse 38 is often used in reference to giving money or material things. But in the context of scripture here, it's talking about a way of life. If you treat people fairly, then you can believe as you sow that seed, it's going to come back toward you. That principle is true. But I believe the verse applies to finances. It applies to things we have in our life. I believe it applies to, to life in general in the life of faith. It says give. Jesus, this is for Jesus. In, if you have a red print Bible, this is in red right here. It says give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Press down. Press down. If you've ever, uh, I was raised on a farm, worked on a farm, and, and if we were picking cotton or various other things, that's before you had the big pickers, that's when the picker was you with a pick sack hanging around your neck, walking down the long rows of cotton, picking cotton, filling up the sack, and you take them to be weighed. And because weighing them, you got so much a pound. I think when we were picking, it was about three cents a pound, two or three cents a pound. And you could fill up a sack of cotton, and it didn't weigh very much at all. When you got it in there to, to take away, you, you would learn, you pack that cotton, you press it down to make room for more. And he says, give, and it's going to be given back to you, packed, pressed down to make room for more, shaken together, running over, and poured into your lap or brought to you. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Interesting, very interesting. Now, in the message paraphrase, to put this way in verse 38. Listen. Give away your life and you'll find life given back. But not merely given back, but given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. Today, I want to point out very quickly five things concerning generosity and the life precept of it pays to be generous. After all, what does the word generosity mean? What does it mean to be generous? It means readiness to give, open-hearted, uh, being willing to be, uh, give abundantly, more than expected. Synonyms of generosity are words like kindness, 
lavish, plentiful, abundant, bumper, prolific. It's talking about that extreme desire and readiness to give and to share. And it can be shown in many different ways, not just about money. But money is included, as we said. And our giving reminds me of one story about giving took place one Sunday morning when the preacher stood up in the church and he made an announcement. The church had something that had come, that, that some need that, that was facing them, and they just needed more money. So the preacher stood up and said, I want to ask each one of you here this morning to, uh, we're, going, we're going to pass the plate, and we're going to ask each one of you to give your very best offering here, and because this is really needed. So, and, and I really believe, I, what I want to do is the person who gives the largest offering, then uh, we, we're going to give you an opportunity to pick the three hymns for today. Well, the uh, offering plate was passed. And as the offering plate was passed, people put their money in. And when the money came back, when the money came back, then the pastor looked at the money and he saw the amount. And it, he saw someone had put $100 in there, $100. And he was rather amazed by that. That was unusual for their, for their giving at that particular time. And so he asked, who is it that gave this generous gift of $100? And this little older elderly woman stood up rather shyly and raised her hand and said, I did. And he said, God bless you. That's wonderful that you are willing to give so generously. So I want to give you the opportunity to choose the three hymns for today. And she stood up and looked around and found the three best-looking guys in the building and said, I'll take him, him, and him. <laughs> Generosity pays. It pays to be generous. Amen? Pays to be generous. Don't you love being around generous people? It's just not good being around someone that's just tight and stingy. You like to be around generous people who like to give freely because generosity is about an attitude. Not, it's about an attitude of the heart before it becomes an action, before it becomes something that we do. Let me name you or give, share with you five important facts about generosity. We're going to walk through these very quickly. The first of all, when we look, about, look at generosity, we say generosity is godlike. It's godlike. When you are generous, then you are like God. It's his nature to give. And when God gives, he gives his best. God doesn't give leftovers. Hallelujah. Amen. If you want to get a picture of the generosity of God, look at the cross. Look at how he has shown us. He loves us. Now in Acts chapter 4, <clears throat> verse 32 through 37 we find that the new church, the, the, the early church, they were gathering together and they began to share everything they had. They began to give so freely and abundantly and generously. It wasn't about their material wealth. They just wanted to, to be generous and to share with others. Why? Because something happened to them. When they came to Christ, their heart was changed. They had a new life. Uh, their, their attitude changed about stuff, about things, and then it produced a generous heart. Let me tell you, when you have a real encounter with God, it produces generosity. I'll say that again. When you have a real encounter with God, it will produce generosity. The truth is, the more we focus on Jesus, the more of a giver we become. 
The more you focus on Jesus, the more of a giver you become. So generosity is godlike. Another thing about generosity is that generosity flows from thanksgiving, from a thankful heart. Let's think about it just a moment. You know, we, people have problems. And I don't know what you're facing today or what you've faced in the past, what you've been through. And you look around and some people, <clears throat> excuse me, some people appear to be more blessed. They maybe don't have the problems you feel like you do. People, people face tough circumstances sometimes today. And, and yet there are times when those of us, maybe people that we're blessed in so many ways and we, we, things are going on and some little something happens and it upsets us, we're angry, it frustrates us, and, and we just, we're, we lose our thankful heart. We, we're just, we, we have an attitude of uh, we're ungrateful. And then we'll see people that are dealing with situations far beyond anything we've ever dealt with, that are struggling to deal with, with life circumstances that are tough. And when we see those and see that some of those people actually, they, they're not, they don't complain. They're thankful. They're just thankful. You know, the Bible doesn't say thank God for everything. It says thank God in everything. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. Every good and perfect gift comes from Him. We thank Him for that. But even when the enemy comes, and even when bad things are happening in our life, we give thanks in the middle of it because we know He's our deliverer. We know He's our strength. We know He's the one that's going to bring us through. Overcome. Yes? Yes. Amen. I don't I believe they were able to make it this morning, probably not in town, but most of you uh, here know Logan Prickett. And we have known Logan since he was just a little boy. And I mean, when we first were in worship in church, he's just a little guy. Active, always running, always climbing, always, I mean, just always going. And uh, he was going through some procedure and testing and, and had a reaction to it and and uh, the flow of oxygen was, was, was stopped and, and uh, for a long period of time, and he wasn't supposed to live, but he survived it. But those of you who've seen him here have seen that it's over the years, it took its toll on him. He's had to deal with all sorts of physical obstacles. Start with in the beginning, just struggling to stay alive, it seemed, and surgery after surgery after surgery, and then... His life changed, and one day it changed from a very active, running little boy to someone that was, was, uh, was fighting for his life, and his life has never been the same since. And those of you that know him know the things that he's dealt with physically. Now, I don't know about days when he was alone or alone with just his family and what he said. I just know that every time I've been around him, I've not heard one or seen one ounce of self-pity or complaining. It humbles me to see that. You look at that, you say, oh, God, what did I ever complain about? Why, why, how could I ever have complained? Are we thankful, regardless of what's going on, are we thankful? Because if we're thankful, we first of all recognize that every good and perfect gift comes from Him. We recognize that He's a source of all of that. He's a source. It belongs to Him. We are just simply, we're blessed. We're blessed. We're blessed. We're blessed. So I'm thankful, 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 which causes me to want to give, give, give. And let me tell you, if we're truly thankful, we're going to give. We're going to be generous.
True generosity is birth in a thankful heart. Psalm 116, the psalmist says, What will I give to the Lord in return for all of his benefits toward me? What can I do to repay him? He asks. Well, we know we really can't repay him. But he goes on and says, You know, I'll pray, I'll praise him, I'll keep my promises to the Lord in the presence of others. That was just an expression of the thanksgiving of the psalmist that said, What in the world could I ever do to tell the Lord how much I love him, to show my generosity? The third thing is, generosity is an act of obedience. Now, this is important. When we talk about giving or generosity, giving is, should not be given out of compulsion, but it should be given in obedience. Paul, when talking to the church at Carbon, it says, don't just give because you feel forced to give or manipulated to give or under compulsion. You know, you can get under pressure. People can make you feel ashamed or they can say things and you just feel like you have to, to give. Uh, it's, an, it's an obligation that you have. But this is different. I'm not talking about obligation. I'm talking about the wonderful opportunity to obey the authority of God in your life. When you obey, you are generous. You, can, you cannot, if, if we are not generous, then we are in some, in, there's some aspects of disobedience in our life if we are not generous. Now, generosity is an act of obedience. In Psalm chapter 37, verse 21, says, The wicked borrow and never repay, but the godly are generous givers. It, it, it shows us the contrast. Those who are walking in the way of God and those that are not. Now, those that are, that's a pretty strong statement. The wicked borrow and never repay, but the godly are generous givers. It shows us that godly, those who are Christ-like, are to be generous givers. Psalm 112 verse 4 says, Light shines in the darkness for the godly. They are generous, gracious, compassionate, and righteous. Man, that just means we're walking as obedient Christians. We're going to exemplify generosity. Legalism asks, how much do I have to give? Love and grace asks, how much do I have an opportunity? I want to give as much as I can give. I want to be generous. I want to show my love for others. I want to express kindness to others. I want to encourage others. I want to lay my life down. I want to share my talents. Whatever, whatever way you express that generosity, then God will bless you as a result of that. So it's important to remember that Generosity is godlike. It flows from a thankful heart, and it's an act of obedience, and we can also say it's an act of faith. When you learn to be generous or give the way God tells you to give, it is an act of faith. The Bible says, <clears throat> in essence, the, the principle of Scripture when it comes to giving, and if we're talking about giving now as far as finances, or, or, or actually it goes beyond finances, and whatever you present to the Lord, whatever you give to the Lord. The Bible teaches that first fruits belong to Him. First fruits. And we won't go very deep into that, but essentially what he's talking here is, the principle is, is that whatever God has put in your hand, the first part belongs to Him. Now that's contrary to the world system. The world system says if I have anything left over. If I have anything left over after I pay my bills, if I have everything, anything left over after I get back my vacation, if I have anything left over after I deal with these circumstances in my life, then I will give if I have anything left over. But the principle of Scripture, the generous person understands the first part already belongs to him. Well, it all belongs to him, yes and amen. But he's taught us a principle of Scripture that he deserves the first. 
He deserves the first. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all the other things will be added into your life. I mean, that's what Jesus says. Proverbs 3, 9, 10 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions, and with the firstfruits of all your increase or income. So your barns will be filled. That's the way they expressed it back during the, 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 those days and with the agrarian society. This will be the result. If you will give the firstfruits, then you're going to have increase in your life. Your vats will overflow with new wine. Faith says the first portion. You know, when you give a first portion of a harvest, that's before the harvest comes due, or that's before you see how great the harvest will be. You understand? If you're going to designate the first fruit of the harvest, you don't know whether it's going to be a great harvest in your mind. You're not absolutely sure how extensive the harvest will be. So what you're doing is when you give first to God, you're trusting He's going to bless the rest, and your harvest will be plentiful. And that's the principle of generosity. When we give God the very best, it multiplies back into our life. This is not about greed. This is not about Christian greed. This is not about talking about becoming rich and wealthy, although the Lord wants to bless His people, and I believe the Word's quite clear on that. This is not about that. It's about learning the fact that generosity, when you act in faith and give, we don't live by emotions, feelings. We live by faith. And regardless of what you're going through, you listen to the Holy Spirit, you obey the Word, and you give how God instructs you to give. You are generous the way God instructs you to be generous because it's inside of you. And when you do that, then you are exercising faith that I'm going to go ahead and I'm, going to just, I'm just going to step out in faith and do this because I believe God's told me to do it. It doesn't really make sense. I'm going to step out and do it because I'm believing that God will honor it, and He will. If you're walking in faith, He will, and it will come back to you. It'll come back to you in many different ways, but it takes a step of faith. Generosity, true generosity, is based upon faith. And uh, very, very, very important. Now, Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 1 is an interesting scripture. It says, uh, it's, there's songs been written along this line, and you've read it before in scripture probably. It says, cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Interesting scripture. If I think about what happens when you cast bread on the water, all I can think about is it gets soggy. But that's not what the scripture is talking about. When you cast your bread on the waters, most people believe that that had reference to the fact when ships were sent to different countries to trade. So you would load whatever wealth or materials you had on your bread, the grain, and you would send it to another place to invest it. And when you send it to invest it, the investment was greater than the amount that you had sent. In other words, you've got a return on what you sent away. So he says, put your bread on the water, send it away, cast, uh, cast it out in faith, give it in faith. Take a holy risk, if you will, but go ahead and do it, knowing that if you do it, and you do it wisely, you do it freely, you do it obediently to the Lord, here's what's going to happen. It may not happen immediately. And the enemy may try to steal this away from you in the beginning, but you don't give up. You give your faithful in, keep the right attitude and your generosity and expressing it and always in your life. As you do that, you continue to sow and send those ships out laden with that generosity. Then what happens? They, become to come, they, they start coming back one after another, after another, after another. And they are loaded down with 
blessing back into your life. But you have to have faith to send it out first. It takes faith. You have to have faith to send it out, faith to give, faith to obey the Lord in these things. Extremely important. Generosity is an act of faith. And finally, the fifth thing, when we look at generosity, uh, is the fact that uh, generosity pays off, that God, God blesses us when we give. It produces blessings. It does. Remember, Paul said that he, you know, he must have heard someone or, uh, or the Lord must have spoken it to his heart, but evidently he heard it from one of the disciples or someone because we don't find specifically this written in Scripture other than Paul's quote here that says that Jesus said, it's more blessed. Everybody say more blessed. <laughs> it's more blessed to give. Let's say it's more blessed to give. Here we go. It's more blessed to give than receive. The more generous we are, then the more blessed we are. I mean, that's what I, I mean. I'm not the most intelligent person in the world, but to me, that's what that's saying. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 and 25 says, There is one, there is one, there is a person who generously scatters abroad and yet increases all the more. He's generous and an increase comes. And there's also the one who withholds, holds on to it, holds what is justly due. He hangs on to himself, but the results are only want and poverty. You know how the New Living Translation puts it? Give freely or be generous and become wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. True generosity produces blessing. It pays to be generous. In the scripture, there's a correlation between giving to others and receiving God's blessings in our lives. Interesting scripture in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 17 says, Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. Remember that? Whoever's kind to the poor, who's generous to the poor, whoever's kind to the poor lends to the Lord. And he will reward them for what they've done. Interesting passage. Have you ever thought about having the ability to lend to the Lord and why in the world would you lend to the Lord if he has, owns it all anyway? Does he have a need to borrow? Well, technically no, we see that. But when you see the essence of the scripture, here's, here's what you see the essence of the scripture. It's saying if you have that generous heart and you'll give to those that are in need, or those, and by the way, giving is not just to people in need. Giving is giving obedience to the Lord. There have been times, I'll, I'll get back to where I was just a second ago, but I need to say this. That sometimes people get the idea that you only give when you see someone that's poor and in need. I've had times in my life to where I'd be somewhere or someone and, and that person had more than I did. We would say in the South was better off than I was. And and I'd be, be around me thinking they wouldn't be talking about they wanted money or they wanted nothing came up. But as I was there with them, God put something down deep inside and said, I want you to give them a certain amount of money. I want you to bless them. Do you know what my human mind, my first response was? Oh, God, what? They should be the ones blessing me. They got more than I have. They don't need it. God, don't you know what their income is? Yes, I know you know their income, so you know they don't need it. It's not so much that they need it. I needed to obey him and do it. 
And I was actually, I was holding God back from doing what He wanted to do in my life. If I didn't. So don't just give. Uh, we've done this before. You've done it before. Uh, we've had people just come through and we, we go out to eat and there'd be somebody there maybe that we know. Maybe sometimes maybe we don't know that well. And we get ready to pay and say, well, someone's taking care of that. That's generosity. And, and you know, it's more blessed to give than to receive, but it's also blessed to receive. Yes? Come on now, admit it. We like to receive too. But I tell you what, I get more good at, and, and if we're ever out to eat somewhere and you see us there, it doesn't mean necessarily I intend for you to pick up the check or anything so I don't feel guilty. <laughs> but there have been times we've been places, I've shared this before, and we've been eating, and it was just fun. I said fun, that maybe not the best word. It was so gratifying. It was fun, wasn't it? It was so gratifying to be generous when you saw a situation, maybe someone, a waitress or waiter is waiting on you, and, you know, in, instead of laying down, you know, five, ten dollars, you lay down a twenty dollar bill or more, sometimes more. And say, I won't just, God, I just feel like Chris. I probably shared this with you before. One of the blessing times when we drove through a drive through at a restaurant, this woman came to the window there and she was helping us and everything. There was, I don't know what it was about her, but something spoke to both of us. The Lord spoke to both of us at the same time uh, and said, and give her. So, so we came through there and we got that. I gave her the money and she gave, gave us the, the food there through the window. And I handed her a $100 bill. And I said, I feel impressed the Lord to give this to you. And she just began to cry. She said, you don't know. You don't know what that means. Let me tell you, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And here's the great thing about it. The more you give, the more God bless, multiplies. Some people got the idea that when you receive things from God that eventually he's going to run out. He said, oh, well, I would have prayed and asked God for more, but I know there's people that need things more than I do. It's like if you get yours, somebody else is going to be left out. I don't think so. He's an unlimited God. He's not going to run low on anything. So he's got plenty to give you. Plenty to bless you with. And he wants to release it in your life, but it takes a generous heart, an open heart, because a, one that's not is a closed heart. And God can only pour into us a heart that's open. Yes. Amen. So give. Uh, yes, I am going to get back to where I was. That... In essence, when it talks about when you give to the poor, you're lending money to the Lord, which actually that, that would seem to say that puts God in debt to you. Now, that kind of goes against the grain, doesn't it? That God would ever be indebted to me, it should go against the grain because we shouldn't have an attitude that he owes us anything. Here's what it's saying. Because God has established certain principles certain laws that he operates through in the scripture and that certain laws that go with his kingdom, this is the way he does things. He says, when you give to the poor, give obedience to me, it puts me in a position because of my love, because of my desire to bless you, it puts me in a position to be obligated to you to respond. Did you know that faith is kind of like that too? God doesn't have to do anything because he's God. Amen, exclamation point. Right. But God will respond to our faith. And so you could see 
and don't take this the wrong way, that an exercise of true faith obligates, obligates God to do something. Why? Because he's already done it. He's already promised it. So no, we're, he's, not, he's not our debtor. But it puts us in a position where God says, you did this, you trusted me, you were generous. Let me tell you something. Here's what I am going to do in your life. I'm on your side. I'm going to do it. Generosity. There's so much more we could go into here, but I don't, I'm, I'm going to pretty much leave it right there. I ran across a scientific study that confirms what, what has been preached in many different places, taught in different churches and faiths. And that is, it's an interesting, it's interesting. This is actually a scientific uh, research that was done that says generous people are happier, healthier, and have a great sense of purpose in life. It says that... <clears throat> There's an increased positive emotions that comes with generosity that triggers chemicals in your brain that reduces stress. <clears throat> people, how many people need to have stress reduce? There's so many different ways that people say, there's things people are selling to reduce your stress. You understand that? Well, and some of them may work. If you go online, it says reduce stress. There's all kinds of things you can find. Most all of them will involve some. It's interesting. Most all of them will involve some element of pray or meditate. Now that some of them are unchristian, it's just a spiritual thing of meditating, but it's showing us the importance. If we're going to get free from stress and learn to live that life God wants us to, then we got, we got to come together in a place to where we hear from him and where we experience him. We need that place of prayer. Yes, it does. Reduces stress. We were at a um, ball game last night, just afternoon last night. Ethan's playing in a ball game there. They won, hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Good job. It was late. Got over about 11 o'clock last night, 10, 30. I sure am glad he won. It would have been a long night. Then. But I was watching. It's, it's interesting to watch how stressed out some of those parents get. They absolutely get beyond themselves. And it's over kids sometimes at that, that tall. Little bitty kids running around there, everything. Coaches screaming, hollering at them. You ought to know better than that. Look, he's just five years old. His first year to play ball. Come on. People get stressed out over stuff today. One woman was going around, I, I wondered when she was going around rubbing stuff like you see her, she was going around doing this and going to other women and doing this. Said, what in the world are they doing that? She was, she was doing essential oils. I know some, they work in some cases, I understand. But she said, it reduces stress. It reduces stress. <laughs> Let me tell you something. You don't reduce stress. Let God develop a generous heart inside of you. Yes? God, we're going to be givers. Covenant life is going to be known as a church full of grace, as a giving church, a giving people. And God is going to bring back his blessings on you, on your family, and on this place to his glory. And will you say amen to that? Amen. I agree. I agree too. Let's stand. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your generosity that you poured out your love into our lives.
We want to be God-like. We want to give our heart to the Lord to, to be ready and sensitive to give in every way we can to bless others. To be generous in our attitude, in acts of kindness. To be generous, Lord, from our heart. To be generous in our giving, our finances. We want to do that, Lord, because it's God-like and because we're so thankful you've blessed us. And God, because we want to be obedient that you've instructed us as to how to do it. And Lord God, we want to step out in faith and do it. And yes, we believe that generosity pays off. So we commit ourselves to that. Lord, where we've held back, Lord, we ask for forgiveness. Where we have limited you, Lord, forgive us. And help us to keep our minds and our hearts attuned to your word and our motives straight and right and live out the generous life to your glory. In Jesus' name and everybody in the house, let's declare it. Amen.